I declare it. Father, we do pray over Pat. We just declare peace in his body, Father God, that from top to bottom you would bring strength and renew his mind. Renew every piece of this man in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So, is it up there yet? Oh, you got to plug it in. Did you know that? I'm so used to Allie doing all this stuff for me. And then when I'm not ready and she doesn't have the equipment to do it, she can't do it. Did you know that? It's the craziest, craziest, craziest thing in the whole wide world. So last week, one of our slides was this. Are you standing at God's door? And James 4.4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why is that important? Why, why would that be important? You see, we're called torn because I feel like God is very well aware of our walk in the world and our walk with him. And he's calling us to be all in with him. But it's hard to give up some of the goodies, right? And we talked about that last week and how hard it is to actually get it in your brains that God can give you more than you could ever ask, think, dream, or pray, right? Isn't that Ephesians 3.20, 3.21? So if you believe the word of God, then it goes back to us and our, our ability to comprehend or understand what it is God is actually saying. So can I believe, can I understand, can I trust in the word of God? Right? Normally we talk about this, yea, though I stand at the door and knock, he who hears, you know, will let me in and we'll sup, we'll have dinner, we'll, we'll eat, we'll, we'll build that relationship. But last week we flipped the script a little bit and we talked about us standing at God's door. Because God's door has been open for us for thousands of years. So if God's door is open to us, then how is it that we're not walking in it? And that's it. In my opinion, in my summation, that is a vital piece of it. See, because even though we can say I love God, and we do, we're still struggling to love God more than we love Taco Bell at times. Right? And even if Taco Bell's not your, you, you get it, right? It's just a, it's just a poor illustration. Sorry, Jody. Um, hopefully he's watching at home. If he's not, you have the permission to ground him. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> but, like, I, I always feel like somebody once told me that the name Torn is like a curse. It's like, Fred, that just sounds like a curse to me. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're always telling people that they're torn. And that, like, so you own that as a title. I'm like, that's not it at all. I just believe that God calls us to this incredible truth, right? Like, his son is truth. And, and we don't have to hide from God. We don't have to hide what we think and how we act come church, right? 
We don't, have to, we don't have to put on a mask or carry on this charade to be somebody we're not, right? And God knows that, but yet our struggle is like, I'm over here in this world and I, I really, I've worked so hard to get where I'm at. If I give everything I have up to God, then what do I have? The odd part about it for me as an, a recovering addict and alcoholic I was holding on to a world of hell because I didn't actually believe that I was worth anything more than the hell that I was living in. This is where people like me live. And yet this concept of this loving God who let me jump into that cesspool, it didn't compute in my brain. I couldn't get it. And so I hated a God I didn't even believe in. And I've, I dwelt in this world of absolute hell and chaos. This is my world. Watch me bask in this pool of manure. But it's better than coming over here where I'm not good enough. At least over in my hell, I know that I'm not good enough. You are not going to tell me any different. Right? Like, I'm good here. I don't like this. But God is calling me over here. So we're always torn. It's a battle. It's a struggle. It's this process of sanctification. I'm already justified by Jesus Christ's death when I receive him as my Savior. Now how do I start to walk these things out? How do I start to walk them out? How do I stop worshiping this world and worship my Lord and Savior? How do I do that? That's a struggle. Like, and so I don't believe, I don't believe that torn is a curse. I believe torn is a truth and torn is a blessing to actually recognize that you're not alone. You're not alone in this world. Can you kill the door, please? Thank you. They are having fun downstairs. Absolutely, absolutely love it. So we're always torn in that, in that piece. So, so we got to get to this point where we can understand that if I continue to worship God or worship the world, do I actually love and worship God? Right? Like it's okay to get through some of these steps and, and to have your struggles and all these things, but understand and come to recognize where you are in your spirit, am I really true? Have I really truly received Christ as my Lord and Savior, or have I not? Have I given up this for this, truthfully? Because if I have, then it's okay. Then I'm then I'm on that path, and I'm good. I'm I'm moving along. I'm moving along, and I'm moving I'm moving towards this this thing, this place. Right where God is calling me to be. And the beautiful thing is he uses us all the way through it. So what's the real issue here? For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Well, there's one for you. Well, I keep screwing stuff up. Am I a bad, am I a bad tree? Am I bad? Does that make me bad because I do stupid things from time to time? What do you think? Just because you do stupid things doesn't make you bad. 
But do you believe that? When you get caught doing something stupid? Well, if I get caught, you know, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just feel like there's something to this whole thing. And, and moving into Easter, moving into Easter, there has to be some transformation inside the heart of the believer, but how am I going to ever be transformed and renewed if I won't let God in? If I'm, if I'm dealing with this over here where I think that I am nothing and no good for anything, and I won't believe how good I actually am here, right? Like, so I am ready to be replanted over here and watch things just shoot up and flow from me, but I'm so stuck over here. It's like, no, I'm going to reattach myself to the bad roots over here. Or I'm going to leave my roots in the ground and you can just scoop my little tree over here. And so I got all my roots over there and then I'm over here wondering why I'm not any good. So where are you rooted and grounded? Where are you planted? Are you rooted and planted firmly in the word of God? Have you taken that step to actually say that Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. And I know that I've said it before, but I've never said it with my heart, God. I've never said it with, with, with this. I've said it with this, but I haven't said it with this. And God, I want, I want to invite you in. I'm tired. I'm tired of pretending and I'm tired of the hurt and I'm tired of the pain. And I know, I know, I know that I know that I know that you've got something more. So Father God, I need you to help me to do something different than I've always done. Because what I've always done is bask in the pits of hell. And I need to walk over here because I know, I believe you, God. And when you get to that point, when you get to that point, when that heart turns, when your posture changes from that of the world to that of the Lord, you will see things blossom and things start to take place in your life. Miracles, signs, and wonders follow all those who walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? Not just some, but all. Because for some of us, it's a miracle, it's a sign, and it's a wonder that we can show the love to our enemy. It's not just laying our hands on the sick. Because what happens if I'm the one with the affirmity? And I need God's loving touch on me so that I can love others. So that I can be more than I've ever been in my life. I don't know too many people who have reached that point in their life where they don't at least remember having thoughts of loving somebody else, having thoughts of actually caring, having thoughts of remember the day when things were so much different. Remember the day, you know, maybe you're going back to three years old, four years old when life was okay for a minute. My life flipped upside down and turned into a pile of hell at four. Four years old. What was your age? But even through all my stuff, I knew inside of me there was somebody decent, somebody pure, somebody, somebody that I never knew how to get to. You see, and most of my actions were not good fruit. 
I was dying. And I was dying. And I had to let God into my heart at some point. Even though I hated him. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. And I didn't really care. But I knew somewhere inside of me was this feeling of love. And I remember talking to myself and Fred, if you take one more step that direction, you ain't never coming back. And I believe that to be God. And I believe that God has that same conversation with each of us. Like you can come, you can come to me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, our God's not, not a liar. He's a lover. And what God says is the truth, but sometimes we have to decide to make that decision to give up this, the world, so that I can worship the Savior, so that I can put my faith, hope, trust, and dreams, all that I am, and all that that I don't even see yet, all that that I don't feel worthy of, I can put it into the hands of my loving Savior. And now I can learn to walk with him. And it can be that struggle. It can be a struggle for a while. Do you feel sometimes like your house of cards is going to fall? You put up the charade for so long, it's going to fall. You know it's going to fall. You can't keep, you can't keep going the way you're going because you know that it ain't real. As a pastor, that's been a hard, hard thing. It's not that I'm necessarily doing anything wrong, but it's that, it's that having those moments of doubt that I'm good enough to do what God has called me to do. Like, God, yeah, I know that you brought me through all these things and all these trials and all this school and all this training and all this stuff, but people are still people. Sheep bite, people suck, work is hard, it's tough. And God, it's only a matter of time before the sheep start talking behind the gate and they all come up with this thing and then they throw me out because I didn't do something correct. How many of you guys have been at your job and you're fearful like, man... I can't make this mistake. And you have such terrible pressure and anxiety about performance at your job and all I am is one mistake away from screwing up and I'm gonna lose my house, I'm gonna lose everything. And a lot of us play that mental gymnastics in our brain and we run through it and through it and through it, but it's not from the word of God. You see, God, God helps you and you can make those mistakes and sheep will bite and, and people will turn on you and, and all these things. But if I'm putting my faith and hope and dreams into what the world can give me or the people in the world can give me, then I'm not giving room for God to work his miracles in me. You see, because it's about God and I. You get the blessing from the good fruit, from my relationship with God. Because me on my own, I'm nothing but a man. 
but God plus me equals something greater than I ever thought I could be. And he's got that same promise for each and every one of you, right? Every one of you has that. Every one of you deals with struggles. Every one of us has those doubts. Every one of us has those fears at some measure until we walk into that, into that place. We start walking into that, into that fullness of God's presence and we bask in his presence and we know that we know that we know that everything's going to be okay no matter how calamity driven or stricken the world is. I know that I'm more than any problem that the world will ever give me. That I'm going to be okay. The one thing you will never take away is the love of the Father. And that means that you will never take away my eternity. You see, Jesus, before he was crucified, said for the joy set before him endured the cross. So as we're coming up into Holy Week and we start thinking about it, what did they take away from Jesus? Everything. They ripped the flesh from his body. And they hung him to die on a cross. And we'll talk about it more on Friday, but those infamous words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. But you see, will you forgive you? Forgive me, Father, for I didn't know what I was doing. And now that I'm here with you, Lord, will you help me? Will you walk with me? Will you share with me your love? Will you share with me your peace? Will you help a simple man like me to be everything that you want me to be? All the dreams that you have for me, God, I would like to walk in that. I'm tired of walking in the world. I'm tired of walking in the stuff. I'm tired, God. I'm tired and I can't do that anymore. I can't do it anymore, Lord God. And I know that your word, the preacher keeps telling me about this love that you have. The preacher keeps telling me about all this stuff that you're gonna give me. And Father God, if, if he's not a liar and your word's not a liar, then Father, would you give it to me? Would you give it to me? And so he asked for your heart. Will you surrender your heart to God? My fear and the evidence has been that just because you go to church doesn't make you Christian. Walking in those doors has nothing to do with a love affair with Christ. Nothing. Walking in those doors might be the scariest thing you've ever done, but the greatest thing you've ever done is receive Christ as your Savior. The doors are great, the fellowship with the brethren, the gathering of the saints. And you guys are saints, you're his beloved. You might not see it, but he does. So let me pray and we'll get started. Oh boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Thanks>. so, <laughs> so Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord God. And uh, <laughs> Lord, I, uh, I just pray for your presence here today, that you would fill our hearts so we could hear what your word says, Lord, that we might be transformed and renewed by your word. So Father, special blessing and anointing over everyone here, everybody watching on Facebook and YouTube, 
Lord God, that you would just bless us all. Help us to come to that place where we know who you are and why you are who you are. You are the great I am. Amen. Amen. So Luke 6, 47 and 48, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So remember we were talking about how it feels like your house of cards might fall. And that can be really scary. And so you're starting to live your life based on fear. It's fear-based. It's fear-driven. The things that you're doing are based on fear. I can't fail. I can't fall. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so you do certain things. But what would happen? What would happen if by you thinking you're getting all slick and building up this world over here based on fear, what if that was a work of the enemy and he holds you over here in a little complacent village, right? You got the nice picket fence and everything looks beautiful, right? Kids are good, cars, got all the stuff and man to the world, it looks phenomenal. But this is the one where if the wife loses her job, if they raise the rate on her childcare, if this falls down, if this falls down, then the whole thing falls down. But what happens when we're over here, as this verse is going to talk about? He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, this is us. As we come to Christ and give him our life, we are like those who build their house on a rock. How likely is that rock to fall? Right? So fear is over here in the sand and the muck and the mire built with, built with terrible stuff. It looks great. But if it's not over here built in faith, then what is it? You're trading in, you're trading in a solid and firm foundation for a house of cards. But you come over here and you can build your house on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. You see, what's it telling us about, about what we're doing, about how we're living? Are we to live in fear? Because it talks about this stream rising up, right? And the water's crashing against the house and it goes nowhere. That house is us, right? So we're built, we build our firm foundation on Jesus Christ. So no matter what comes against us, right? We know that we can get through. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are more than just survivors of a storm sitting there left with nothing. We have a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. That, what did Jesus do on the night he was betrayed? How did he walk that out? Where was his faith built? He knew that he knew that he knew who he was, where he was going. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you're going? When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Do you see the beloved son and or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Do you see royalty when you look in the mirror or do you see a failure? It's just hoping like heck to get out of this thing called life alive. 
None of us are getting out of here alive. None of us. On that day, whatever day that is, my heart is in deep prayer and hope that you will know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then what can be taken from you? What storm can come up against your world that could take that away? And looking toward his disciples, he began speaking. Okay, so Luke 6, 20. Now I took this out of the Amplified because it reads out a lot better. Some of you guys know this to be the Beatitudes. And I really like that the, the way that the Amplified talks about this because it spells some things out for us that we need to kind of comprehend, right? We need to comprehend what's going on. So blessed, spiritually prosperous. So blessed, spiritually prosperous. Where are you spiritually? Blessed, happy to be happy, to be admired. Blessed are you who are poor, in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, how many of us have to rise up and tell the world how great we are versus you're fine with where you're at because that's where God called you to be? You see, because no matter where God called you to be, that's the best place where you could be. It doesn't matter what the Joneses are doing. It doesn't matter what the, what the Johnsons are doing. It doesn't matter what the Smiths are doing. It doesn't matter what those people have. Because what happens when you find true hope? What happens when you try to find true faith? What happens when you find true joy in where you are? For the first time in your life, you find a peace so deep that nothing can knock you off of it. Even when you're walking into something scared, you're like, okay, God. Okay. We got this. I know that the worst thing that's going to come out of anything the very worst is that I'm going to spend eternity with you. That's as bad as it gets. But we change it in. We cash it in for something else. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Those devoid of spiritual arrogance. Those who regard themselves as insignificant. For the kingdom of God is yours, both now and forever. What is the word telling us? That we can bask in the kingdom of God. We can bask in his presence right here. When I talk about the things that God is going to do in this city, believe what God is going to do in this city. He is crying out for his bride to start listening. Because he has wanted us to do this from the garden, and we just keep refusing we do it for a minute and then we burn out poof, until next Sunday. We do it for a minute and poof, we burn out. But what happens when we realize that the fire of God doesn't have to leave your belly? It can burn so bright and so strong. It doesn't matter what's coming. It doesn't matter what the world is telling you. It doesn't matter how dark and nasty the streets of Portage, Baraboo, Sauk County, Columbia County, Dane County, State of Wisconsin, United States, doesn't matter. I hear Christians all over the world like, oh my gosh, this is so awful. 
But what happens when you stop living in fear and you realize that that could be God allowing certain things to happen to wake his bride up that says, go, let's do this, people. Come on, let's go. We got this. There are people dying on our streets and you are sitting there complacent in your church is doing nothing. You look pretty, but you're doing nothing. Stop. Get up, rise up, stand up, fire it up, let's go. You see, because I don't care who's in the White House. Unless that man or woman is for Jesus Christ alone, they are nothing but a pawn. They are doing nothing, right? But if you believe what the word, of sa- word says, that God appoints leaders, then what are you doing right now tripping about jumping Joe Biden up there? Why are you tripping? Do you believe the word? How you think of that man is how you think of that man. But let me tell you this, if you ain't praying and all you're doing is cursing that man and saying what an idiot he is, you are as wrong as he is, if not worse. Because you have the power and authority to pray for your leaders to bring transformation in their hearts and in their minds. And yes, it sucks. It can suck from time to time as they do stupid thing after stupid thing after stupid thing. But guess who's doing dumber and dumber things? Those sitting there not bearing good fruit who call themselves Christians and all they're doing is following the fear of the world instead of the love of the Lord. You see, because you think somehow in your brain that your prayers aren't enough for anything but that's a lie from the pits of hell he calls you his beloved he said his son to die on a cross if you aren't enough then he wasted his time let's just pack it up we'll all go get to go boxes maybe meet down in the park smoke a fatty and do whatever the heck we're going to do because what's the difference What is the difference? The difference is Christ is about to die on a cross for us. That God loved us so ridiculously that he gave his son to die for us. 2,000 years later, here we sit. I don't like Joe Biden. I'm not. I don't like the Democrats. Because if you're in church, the likelihood of you being a Democrat is slim. Right? You're conservative, Republican. I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care to fight you about who's in the White House. I don't care to fight you about who's right or who's wrong. What I care is that you get fired up and start walking in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, that nothing that this world is handing us is going to knock us out of our faith. And that means that we don't start casting the same stones that the world is casting. We start throwing up love bombs, truth bombs, and blessing the world. Why are you not praying at the schools? If you think the schools have a problem, pray over them. Pray over the schools. If you think that the hospitals are, are condemning the world with all these shots and all this stuff, then pray over them. If you think that people are dying because they shouldn't be, then pray over them. Pray with power and authority. Amen. Beloved, we got to up our game. Because a healthy tree produces good fruit. What are you doing? What are you producing? 
They'll know we are Christians by our love, not what side we complain about. You see, I know a man who calls himself my dad, and my dad goes to argument with me because he thinks I love Trump. I said, oh, dad, you're wrong. You're wrong. I love God. I love God and I love Trump, but not like you might think. I love no man like that. I worship no man. I worship God alone, period. He's the only one I put my faith into. You see, because every man on this earth, in my opinion, walks with one foot in and one foot out. One foot in the blessing of God and one foot in the world. You see, and it's hard to get over here, but if we actually start doing what we're doing and we see the manifest power and glory of God taking place in America the same way it does in Africa, where they have nothing but the hope of Christ, you'll see in America change because the people in America will actually start believing that God is still working, that he is still living and breathing today right here in these streets. But you see, we don't need him yet. We don't need you yet, God, because we got you on our dollar bills. We got you on our dollar bills where it says, in God we trust. But in God we do not trust. Because if we trusted in God, then we would rise up and do what God calls us to do. You see, but we're not doing it because we want to walk in the fear. And this is a thing that we all struggle with. I want to say that I'm the greatest Christian to ever walk, but that'd be a bold-faced lie, and I can't tell you that. I'm having struggles in my life. I'm very open and honest about that because I'm not going to have you put me up on a pedestal where some little sheep is going to eat the bottom leg and I'm going to fall down. I'm going to stand right here on the firm ground of Jesus Christ on the solid rock. This is where I plant my feet. This is where I choose to live and dwell as in Christ Jesus. And I need Christ each and every day in my life to move me and mold me and make me and shape me into what he has called me to be because I can't keep walking around like I'm a coward. I can't do it. When God nudges me or urges me to pray for that person, guess what? I need to pray for that person. It's not up to me to do anything but to walk in obedience to the Father. That's the good fruit. What God does with that prayer, what God does in that time to that person, that's God. That's not me. My job is to listen and obey. Walk in obedience to the Father and watch what God does. But we walk around in fear. and Well, God, if it's your will. Twenty-one, blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness. Are you who hunger now for righteousness, actively seeking right standing with God? For you will be completely satisfied. Blessed are you who are hungry. Are you hungry to see the move of God? Are you hungry to see God's spirit take this world back over and cast the enemy into the pits of hell? Are you hungry to see our children safe in our schools? Are you hungry to see a country that rises up and serves the world? Are you hungry to see God rise up in your own heart so that you can love yourself and love your families the way that God is calling you to love? Are you hungry for anything besides this fear over here? This is leading to death. 
But Christ is life. Are you hungry to live? To finally live, to finally kick Satan in the teeth and say, no more, Satan, no more. You do not have control over my life anymore. I will not live in fear. For I hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross so that I could have it. It's mine. I receive it in full. Thank you. Gone. Thank you, Lord. Are you hungry to walk the way that God has called you to walk? Are you hungry for the words of the Bible to come alive in your life? Are you hungry to see life explode from your fingertips, from your mouth? Are you hungry? Do you want to eat from the marrow of the word of God? Do you want to lift up your voice and see people healed? Do you want to lift up your voice and see your cities changed and transformed and renewed? Do you want to lift up your voice and see people restored to hope and hopelessness fall on its face dead in the ditches as we wash it away? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Because it says, blessed are the hungry. Those that hunger and thirst If you're not thirsting for Jesus, if you're not drinking that living water, then what are you doing? Because he went to the woman at the well. My favorite story in the whole Bible. My favorite story besides the crucifixion and resurrection. She's at the well. She's had five husbands. And she's shacking up with one more. You know what they call her? Poor, not good enough, worthless, slut. What other words you got? Jezebel. Well, Jezebel, well, they could. Yeah. And here he is, he walks up. And he says, that if you would drink from the water that I give, you will thirst no more. So how many of us are thirsty that we would actually drink from his living cup? The cup of life. You see, because we got to make that decision, beloved. We get to make that decision. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh when the burden of sin is lifted. Blessed, morally courageous and spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and insult you and scorn your name as evil because of your association with the Son of Man. You see, the Sunday school answer might be Jesus, but what's your answer when you're praying for somebody, are you willing to sacrifice yourself for the one who sacrifices life for you? Or are you scared to lift up a prayer in a public place for somebody who is hurting, for somebody who is sick, for somebody who is lost? Are you scared to do that? Are you scared to walk out as Christ walked out? Because if you're scared to do it, 
check yourself before you wreck yourself because you might just be living over here. You see, transformation comes when we receive Christ as our Savior. Now, I'm not saying that because you're living over here in fear that you don't have Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is that you need to know that you know that you know that Christ is your Savior. You need to know that and believe that with all of your heart that he came and died for your sins, that his death, burial, and resurrection is the good news for all who will receive him. You see, but where are you? And you need to know. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to have one. One answer. One. That Jesus came died, was buried, and resurrected for your sins. That if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Christ is Lord, you will join him in eternity for heaven and thus taking away the sting of death, the sting of fear, taking and defeating the enemy, putting him underneath your heel. For it's us and how we engage with the enemy that gives the enemy or takes the power away from the enemy. You see, because he thinks that he can scare us. He thinks that he can do all these things to us. But like I said, one day we're all going to go. But where we go from there, that takes the sting out. That takes the fear out. So what is the enemy going to do when I lift up a prayer for my Lord and Savior? What's the enemy going to do when I lift up a prayer for my neighbors? What's the enemy going to do when I do good deeds and I spread the love of Christ everywhere? What's the enemy going to do when I say, God bless you to the attendant at the gas station? What's the enemy going to do when I say, God bless you to the person checking out my groceries? What's the enemy going to do when I say, God bless you to my boss? What's he going to do? Well, pastor, we're not allowed to say, God bless you at my job. I've been thinking a lot about this because I got in trouble, a little bit of trouble, I won't say a lot, but I sing all day long and, and my music is always playing, it's always praising God and, and so God has spoken on my little garbage picker upper machine, my little Cushman 5000, so I'm rolling out like a boss, my, my garbage dumpster is behind me, I said, what's up, how you doing, hey, right? And Jesus goes before me. But I kind of got in a little bit of trouble, and so I've been thinking about it. I've been wrestling with it. And I'm like, hmm, are they mad because my music was loud, or are they mad because of what was on my music? So I turned it down, and I'll keep playing the same old music because I don't care. Right? The enemy can take whatever he wants from me, but he will never, ever take my heart. He will never take my hope. He will never take my joy. He will never take those gifts that God has given me, ever. He will not. He has no authority to do it. And I'm not saying go out there and tell your boss to go find a rope to urinate up. I'm not telling you that. Don't. I'm not telling you that. Be decent. Walk in love and truth and hope. Do the things that God has called you to do. 
If you've heard me preach, you've heard me talk about St. Francis of Assisi, who said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. See, I can bless you and I can praise you. I can whatever and never say a word. I can love you. You don't even know I'm praying for you. I don't know. How are we going to look at it? 623, rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible, for their fathers used to treat the prophets in the same way. Well, that, must, that must be the end of it. Darn it, I'm just starting to have fun. <laughs> but you know, as we, as we enter this holy week, it's important, like, this is that time, and this is that beauty about fasting next week. This is about that beauty about what this week is going to look like for you. What's this week going to look like for you as you think about the one you call Lord who's about to come in? He's about to come into town. He's about to roll up on the city to suffer the way that he's going to suffer for us. You see, we have to take that seriously. We get to bask in the beauty of what God has done for us. We get to love ridiculously. We get to decide if we're going to take this thing seriously or we're going to keep dancing over here in Fear Village. I will stay right here. Right here. I stay right here with God. I want to stay. I want to work on letting go of the things that hold me down so that God can do more in me and more through me. It's like, God, this body ain't used up yet. Let's go. Let's rock this thing. Help me get out of the way, Pops, so that you can move in me and through me so that I can love a hurt and broken world. That's all I want to do. That's it. I don't care about the stuff. I don't care about the stuff. If it's God's will, God's desire, I will have just plenty. So where are we gonna where are we gonna stand? Where are you gonna land today? You gonna land on the rock of Jesus Christ? You gonna choose him today? Holy Week's a big week. Holy Week is a time of deep contemplation and prayer. Should be like that all the time, but let's start with this week. Let's start with this week. Can you do that? Can you talk to God and say, God, give me the strength. Keep it on my mind. Keep it on my heart, Lord. To meditate and pray with you every day so that I can come to know the fullness of who you are and all that you have for me, Lord. I want it so badly, Lord, and I know that it's free. So help me get out of the way so that you can have your way. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for what God actually has for you? Are you ready for what's behind the door? Are you ready?
for what God has done in its fullness and its entirety, and he wants to give to you. Are you ready? So let's pray, and then I want to uh, call my brother Paul up here, and I'll explain that in a minute. Okay, so Father God, we love you, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you because you are an awesome God. We thank you because you love us ridiculously. We thank you because your son on the cross, that he died for us, that we might have life and life in abundance. So Father God, would you just bless everyone here, everyone watching, Father God, that we might receive a fresh anointing today. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So I'm going to have my dear.